Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley's behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you hop in. Hope or belief. Where do you lie on the Phillies winning the World Series? We all think they have a chance. I mean, anyone that says this week they have no chance, I think you're being silly and and, and just really over the top negative for no reason. It's the World Series. It's, it's baseball. It's four out of seven. It's a series. Yeah, they have a chance to win this thing. I think a decent one. I'm in camp hope. I hope they can. I hope they do. I hope they prove me wrong and, and win the whole darn thing. But I'd be lying if I said I have full belief they're going to. Tucker does a lot of calls tonight, too. Where do you lie on this? 215-592-9494. We'll play Explicit History. We'll give you a call from the playoffs. You tell us the name that is bleeped out. And in a few minutes, we've got to play for you. Jalen Hurts, we knew he'd be asked today. He's from Houston. Where, where does he lie on all this? Is he rooting for his hometown team? Or is this his hometown? Now, we'll get to Jalen Hurts, but first... Tucker, we got a very special guest coming up right now. That's right, Joe. On the line right now is the one and only Trey Wingo, who was brought to us today by Caesar Sportsbook, your first bet. It's on Caesars, bet up to $1,250. And if you don't win, you get it back as a free bet. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 plus. All right, let's talk to Trey Wingo. All right, joining us right now, the aforementioned Trey Wingo. We do it once a week. Excited to talk to Trey about the NFL, the Eagles. And, Trey, we got some news to jump into today. This afternoon, the Eagles made a trade, fourth-round pick for Robert Quinn. Uh, What was your reaction when you saw the Eagles land another pass rusher here? Uh, My first reaction was, Howie Roseman has done it again. And my second reaction was, I think they're eight deep now on that defensive line. I think they have four they can rotate on the edge and four they can rotate on the inside. And that's really, really a very good thing, especially – when you're going to have to play the Giants twice and you're going to play the Cowboys again down the stretch because the Cowboys are going to be a more difficult out now that Dak Prescott is back and they have a a front seven that can also attack you. So it was a really, really good pickup. And I know Quinn only has one sack so far this year, but the Bears have been a really bad football team. Hit 18 and a half last year. So I think he has still plenty left in the tank. And uh, I think the Eagles are going to be very, very pleasantly happy with the addition of Robert Quinn. Trey, when you look at Quinn, you mentioned the production this year is down. But the one thing I noticed kind of looking at his numbers today after the trade was, you know, he's been double teamed a lot in Chicago. They don't have a lot around Correct. him on that defense. I, I, I actually think right. in the, with the Eagles, less could be more, right? Less snaps, more of a rotational guy yeah. here. He's not, and, and I think maybe you get more out of him. And then there's no way you could double team him. You just mentioned this defensive line. I mean, he's going to see a lot of single teams. I, I think they'll get a better version of Robert Quinn than we saw this year in Chicago so far. 100%, Joe. Just just take a look at how the Bills have sort of used Von Miller this year, okay? He's not going to be an every-down starter. Von Miller's in there to make impact plays at certain situations, and I think that's where you're going to see Robert Quinn thrive. Um, the Eagles' defense has really been really good this year, but they're 29th on third-down defense. Having Robert Quinn come into the game in pass-rushing situations is the greatest way I know to cure a 29th-ranked third-down defense in the NFL. He's going to be a situational rusher. He's going to have fresh legs, so he's not going to be in as much as he would have been if he was a starting defensive end for Chicago that he has been this year. It's a perfect situation for him that maximizes his potential in. And I I don't know if you saw this, Joe, but the news came down in Chicago when Roquan Smith was having his media availability, and he literally broke down in tears when he learned that Robert Quinn was being traded away. And and forget the athletic ability and the talent that he brings to the field. Robert Quinn is a pro's pro. Chris Long, who's a friend of mine, still to this day marvels at at how Robert prepares himself to play. 
So not only are you getting a guy that is going to produce on the field, in my opinion, you're also getting a guy that's going to be really helpful in that clubhouse and in that locker room, especially to a bunch of younger players who he will help mentor. Trey, what do you think about the new wave of uh, GMs in, in the NFL around the trade deadline? It, you know, trades in the NFL in-season used to be rare, and now it feels like yeah. in mid-season, you know, Howie Roseman did this with Jay Ajayi in 2017, tried to do it again with Golden mm-hmm. Tate in 2018, and then last year we saw it in a major way with the Rams, you know, you know get Beckham, and then, um, you know, of all the, you know, Von Miller, right. The tra- and then just last week we saw Christian McCaffrey. It feels like it's almost like a little bit like baseball, Trey, where these GMs sense, all right, we've got a chance to win a Super Bowl. I'm going to make a big trade here. I, I think it's fun for the league. It-, it makes this time of year, you know, you- I'm constantly refreshing my phone to see who got traded next. Yeah, listen, it used to be the biggest nothing burger of all time. Like, nobody got traded uh, in the NFL trading deadline. But you're right, over the last few years, it's become much more exciting and much more interesting. And just to your point on these new wave of GMs, let's take a look at what Howie Roseman's done here, okay? They made the offseason move to get uh, Gardner Johnson there. Uh, They make the the draft day trades for uh, A.J. Brown and Jordan Davis. And now you make the trade for... Robert Quinn, and you still have six picks in the 2023 draft, including two first-rounders. That is getting it done. So even with all the trades that Howie has made and the, and the draft capital he's moved around, they still have six picks as we talk right now in the 2023 draft, including two first-rounders. There's in the Saints. That, that's just brilliant general managing right there. We're talking to Trey Wingo here. Trey, you mentioned a few minutes ago the Giants and the Cowboys. Of the two of them right now, who is impressing you more? I mean, the Cowboys get Dak back last week, and they took care of business uh, against the uh, Detroit Lions. And then the Giants, Trey, I've, I've downplayed this Giants thing for a while now, but, man, I, they're 6-1, and one, and they won on the road last yeah. week at Jacksonville. And the one thing about them that feels different, I know the coaching is better, but this is the best I've ever seen Daniel Jones play. I mean, he, we know he's mobile and he's moving, but he's also pretty efficient right now, not turning the ball over. Who's impressing you more right now, Giants or Cowboys? You know, it's interesting because I thought the Cowboys were, were pretty well staffed. And then obviously the injury to Dak Prescott changes everything. And Cooper Rush comes out there and, and does his job, even though he played his worst game by far in that Sunday night game uh, in Philadelphia. But to your point, like Daniel Jones is a different quarterback. And that to me is a signal of the coaching he's getting from Brian Dable and that entire staff. I mean, you just go down the list of everything that was wrong with the Giants under the Joe Judge era. They were either last or dead last in almost every significant offensive category. And for the Giants to do what they've done uh, with Daniel Jones, I mean, Daniel Jones, like, can you name the top three receivers for the, uh, for the, for the Giants? They don't exist. I mean, that, that's the beauty of this for me is that you no know, one talks about Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any weapons. Well, who the hell is Daniel Jones throwing to in New York? And he's finding a way to get it done. I mean, he's been the biggest turnaround to me. Uh, that I've seen of any quarterback in a, in a year where, you know, he's, you know, this is, this is it for him now. So uh, he's, he's hitting the stride at the right time. The turnovers are down. He's making the plays necessary. He's not forcing the ball like he used to in the past. I've been really impressed with the Giants and what Brian Dable and company have done. When you look at the NFC right now, uh, it's really tough to find who that team is going to be that really challenged the Eagles because nobody right now except the Vikings has, has a, a good record. Of the teams that are kind of hovering there, other than the NFC, so we, we went over the Giants and the Cowboys, 
Trey, who do you like in the yeah. NFC that, that could emerge? I, I keep coming back to San Francisco. I know they had a tough game against the Chiefs on Sunday, but when they get healthy and they kind of incorporate everything in that offense, now with McCaffrey there, I, I, the, the 49ers strike me as a team that if they match up with the Eagles in a playoff game, that, that could be, uh, you know, we could see the winner of that game potentially go to the Super Bowl. Joe, you're not wrong there. And look, it was a disaster on every level against the Chiefs. I mean, they had more plays. They had more time for possession, but they just could not stop them on third down. The Chiefs converted on third and 11, third and 20. Their last touchdown was a 40-yard touchdown pass on third and six. I mean, they just could not get off the field on third down. They have been decimated by injuries. Like, I know Bosa came back last week, but, you know, Greenlaw didn't play much in that game. Cornerbacks went out of that game. They have massive injuries uh, to the entire linebacking core. If they can just stay healthy, because they know what Jimmy Garoppolo is, right? I, this is going to sound kind of strange because they were going to all in on Trey Lance, but I, I, I think the injury to Lance might have been one of the best things that happened to this 49er team because they know who they are with Jimmy Garoppolo. They know what he, they know what they want him to do. They know what he's capable of, and for the most part, he doesn't make those egregious mistakes. Um, that was still a work in progress with Trey Lance. That had not the, the, the outline and the plan for how to play with Trey Lance had not been determined yet. If they can just stay healthy, and then you add Christian McCaffrey, who showed right away in that first half that he's going to still create opportunities for them. Their biggest thing, Joe, is they have just been injury riddled from this year and last year. If they can just get their players on the field, I think they might be the team to beat. Uh, that the Eagles should be concerned about. Trey, it feels like a fool's errand, at least it has been in the past, to write off Aaron Rodgers and or Tom Brady. Yeah. Do you think either of those teams bounce back, both or none? Because right now, both teams look really poor. Both offense look poor, especially the Bucs. I mean, to go out and score only three points yeah. against the Panthers, that was eye-opening. Uh, your thoughts on both those teams? Do you think they'll both be there in the end in the postseason, one or none? Uh, you know, someone's winning the NFC South. Right, there's not a single team in that division with a winning record. Somebody is going to win it. Uh, in that situation, I, I will still bank on Tampa Bay because of the history and the, the weapons that they have. That, there are no weapons in Green Bay. Okay, like the Chiefs will never ever regret trading away Tyreek Hill. They have the number one scoring offense in the NFL. They actually are sixth in plays of 30 yards or more right now in the NFL. Last year with Tyreek, they were 24th. The point I'm making is they're more explosive right now than they were a year ago with Tyreek Hill on that offense. And by the way, the number of picks they got back was way more than the Packers got in return for Devontae Adams. The Packers in a quiet moment will tell you, we messed this up. They absolutely should never have acquiesced Devontae Adams' uh, desires to trade him. They had him under contract, and I get it. The Aaron Rodgers contract is going to make things difficult, but he's not not playing. He's not going to go full Le'Veon Bell and turn away millions of dollars. Um, I think I have way more concerns about the Packers because of the division they play in as opposed to the actual team construct because the, the Bucks still don't have a tight end. Uh, they don't have the, sol the solid interior line guard center guard that they had the last couple of years with retirements and trades and injuries. But someone's got to win the NFC South, right? Someone else is going to win the NFC North, and I don't think it's going to be Green Bay. We're joined by Trey Wingo here on the evening show. Trey, before we uh, get to this game Sunday with the Steelers coming in, your thoughts on that game. A question for you about the landscape of the league with quarterbacks. Curious what you think on this. We've been talking this week on the show about how it feels like the immobile quarterbacks or the older guys, Rodgers doesn't move like he used yeah. to, Brady doesn't move, even Russell Wilson not moving like he used to, they're struggling. And you look at the QBR numbers, passer rate numbers, it, a lot of uh, MVP odds. 
it's the mobile guys. It's Josh Allen. It's Patrick yeah. Mahomes. It's Jalen Hurts. It's Lamar Jackson. Even Daniel Jones we talked about. He's very mobile. Do you think we're moving to the point now in the NFL where the pocket quarterback is going to go by the wayside? Matt Ryan now bench for Sam Ellinger, a more mobile guy. Do you think it's yeah. going to be where you need a mobile quarterback in the, in the modern NFL? Listen, I, I think it presents more options. Like, just look at Josh Allen. No one would consider him, you know, elusive, right? But because he's just a freaking giant human being, 6'5", 260 pounds, like, he can withstand a lot of trash in the pocket and escape with his legs. Uh, it gives you more opportunities. There, there's no question about it. And I, and I feel like with the speed of the game, we always talk about that, right? The speed of the game, the speed of the game. And the game is not slowing down. If anything, the game continues to get faster and faster. And if you have a guy who can make just one, and he doesn't have to be a, 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 a like Patrick Mahomes is not fast. He can just be a little elusive. If you just have a little swivel in your hips and a way to get in and out of some, some trashy situations in the pocket, you're going to create something. I mean, that, that, one, that touchdown to Juju Smith-Schuster against Buffalo uh, uh, two weeks ago, with Mahomes, I mean, he danced around that pocket for six, seven seconds before he finally was able to find somebody open. If you can just move, you're going to give your team a much better chance to have a productive play. So I absolutely see that going forward. Last one for you, Trey. The Steelers come in here this weekend. It's rare. It's weird to see the Steelers, you know, as double-digit right. dogs multiple times. They, they did beat the Bucks outright as big dogs a couple weeks ago, but they're 10.5-point underdogs here this week. What's your thought on them right now? And specifically, what have you seen out of Kenny Pickett? I think there's something there with him. It's obviously not refined, and he's throwing a lot of mistakes and turnovers and interceptions, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, if they make this competitive, at least uh, maybe towards the end of the game. What do you think about the Steelers as they come into Philadelphia? Yeah, Joe, go, just go back and look at his first start in Buffalo where they got absolutely whacked, 38 to three, I think it was. He threw for over 300 yards in that game. Like, he just didn't have playmakers, but, like, he stayed in the game. He wasn't given up. He didn't, uh, he didn't just say, well, this game's over. No, he was out there slinging it. And at the end of the game, one of the Bills defenders came in somewhere that low that he thought, and he went right back at him. Like, that's what I love about him. Kenny Pickett's going to make mistakes. All rookies make mistakes. But he's not afraid to mix it up. And if they can just find – their, their offensive line is no good. They, they have no running game. I love Najee Harris. Don't get me wrong. But there's no cohesiveness in the Steelers' running game with their offensive line. So this year is going to be a struggle. But I do like what I've seen in Kenny Pickett so far. And that, that interception to end the Miami game, that was maybe not his best throw, but that was also one hell of a play by Benigny there to, to sort of seal that deal. Um, this is going to be a rough year for the Steelers. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season. It feels like he might not be able to say that after this year, but I do like the future with what they have in Kenny Pickett. Great stuff. Trey, always appreciate uh, you making time for us. We'll chat again next week. Have a great weekend. Enjoy week eight in the NFL. Thank you, Trey. You got it, Joe. Take care, buddy. That was fun talking to Trey Wingo there, um, you know, about all things with the Eagles there. He obviously loves the Robert Quinn trade. It's interesting, uh, as we, we talk to our guy there, uh, Tucker, Tr- Trey Wingo. Uh, Who he- you know was brought to us today by Caesar Sportsbook. Your first bet, it's on Caesars, bet up to $1,250. And if you don't win, you'll get it back as a free bet. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21+. plus. Yeah, he was pretty high on the Robert Quinn trade. And and he mentioned that uh, Chris Long is a big fan of Robert Quinn. Obviously, his teammate. It's, it's amazing how long Robert Quinn's been in the league. Robert Quinn's career has kind of been interesting. He kind of fell. He, like, disappeared from the con- – this happens once in a while when, when good pass rushers are on bad teams or – you know, kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit. He has over 100 career sacks, Robert Quinn. And yet you kind of forget 
where he was all those years ago with the Rams. I believe he was what? He went to UN. I'm trying to remember his career. UNC College, Robert Quinn. Top 15-ish pick, if I remember, of the Rams in, what was that, 10 or 11? Around that time, uh, you know, he's been in the league probably 11 years now, 10, 11 years. And he's had some really, he's had really big seasons, and then he's had some kind of like you forget about him seasons. And this might, unless before he got traded, might have ended up as one of those seasons you forget about. But I, I think he'll be rejuvenated here coming to a contender. Yeah, he's been seven seasons with the Rams, yep. three in Chicago, and then he spent one year in Dallas and one year in Miami. But you're right. I mean, he has five, ten sack seasons. And he also has one sack this year. He had two in 2020 at six and a half, four one year in Los Angeles. I mean, he's very hit or miss when it comes to his sack production. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a comp for Robert Quinn. Um, I never thought he's particularly good against a run. He's a pass rusher. He's in there to stop, the to go after the quarterback. Um, maybe not quite as good as Simeon Rice. Simeon Rice was a really good pass rusher who played on some good defenses with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think he's a better player than Jason Babin. One of his comps on Pro Football references, Hugh Douglas. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, did you play as long as how long did you play? I, we and we had you on a couple of months ago and we talked about his career, but I guess he played about ten or eleven years. He made it ten seasons. Ten, but he had some injury issues too. Like he right. only played two games in '99 uh, with the Eagles. Yeah, but a, but that's that's a good comp. About a hundred sacks. Like he had ten sacks his rookie year, twelve his last or first year here, fifteen in two thousand, right. twelve and a half in two thousand two. Then he also sprinkled in a two sack season, a four sack season, a three sack yeah, season. Yeah, that that's an interesting comparison, and obviously one we know, we know well here. I like the trade. I, I think it's a really good trade. From all right, before we go back to the phone lines, we promised we'd play a Jalen Hurts. We knew the question was coming today. We also knew Jalen Hurts would probably be pretty prepared for it and give a generic answer, which he uh, he did not disappoint in that realm. Here's J- Jalen Hurst today asked, like, hey, you're from Houston. Now you're in Philadelphia. You're an Eagle. Who are you rooting for in the World Series? Here's how Jalen Hurts answered. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm Houston born and raised. Um, I love my city, um, and I'm, you know, that's my hometown, but my home now is Philly, you know, and I love this city too. Um, that's how I deal with it. Yeah, I'm not surprised at Jalen Hurts, how he um, – he went about it today. He did not answer. He did not give. I'm rooting for this team or that team. But it, it sounds like he's pulling for the Phillies. But he's a uh, he's a Houston guy. Let's not forget who where he came from. Let's talk to Evan in Baltimore. Hey, Evan. Yo, Joe. World Series and six and zero, baby. Good to be a Philly fan, my guy. Oh, it's great, Evan. It is absolutely great. What's on your mind today? What are you thinking? Yeah. So listen. So I'm going to tell you the formula to winning a championship. It's pretty easy. You, you, you already know where I'm going with this, okay? The Eagles of 2017, literally every single guy wanted the same thing. They were selfless. They loved each other. They had respect for Doug. They loved Doug. They loved each other. And they had a respect for the fans. You see the same thing with the Phillies. They love each other. They have respect for the fans. They want to win. I mean, that home run from Bryce Harper, if you watch it, I've watched it like 50 million times. And every time I tear up, I can't not. By the way, Joe, speaking of that, before I continue, did you see, uh, I forget which Twitter account it was, but they put the, um, they put the music from Moneyball. Uh, Moneyball, yes. I oh did see it. Yo. So, Evan, I'm, I'm not sure um, when the last time that you saw it. I have to see. I have to see. I'll look it up right now. But at one point yeah. yesterday, that video, the one you're referencing with the Moneyball yeah. Bryce Harper, I think yep. it had – I found it again. So that video right now 
has 4.9 million views. I know. That's amazing. I know. It's amazing. And when I started watching it, it only had 2.1. Wow. So, yeah, it's amazing. But, I mean, it is poetic. When you saw him round the bases, this is why I know we're going to win, okay, besides what I said. When you saw him round the bases, he had no emotion. It was get it done, business as usual, and it's all business. This is a business for him now. Yeah. Yep. Getting, you know, uh, coming up as 16-year-old as a catcher on the Sports Illustrated, going to the Nationals, which, by the way, the fan base was a joke. Um, you know, everybody doubting him, everybody booing him everywhere he goes. I mean, there's a culmination of everything, that one swing. And I just see him just doing it. He, he wants to win. They all want to win just like the Eagles. That is, that is what you need. Love for each other. Love for the city. And love to, love for winning, and that that is the formula. For yeah, winning, and Evan, I'm, I'm. It's interesting you brought that up because the other, the other part about the equation that's similar is we're we're watching an all time great Philadelphia coaching performance or managing, right? I mean, Doug Peterson yeah. was on a heater in 2017. You know, getting Nick Foles right. to that level. And I think yep. we're seeing it. It's amazing how many buttons Rob Thompson has pushed correctly all year. But but in the playoffs, like Friday night, pulling Ranger Suarez at sixty eight pitches, it worked. And then having Ranger yeah. come out of the bullpen to close out Game Five. I mean, it's just. Been, and then that whole night Saturday, you know, Falter stunk. Yep. But after that, I think they only allowed just just the two runs with Hand the rest of the game. Like that's. This is something special that Thompson just got a, a like a you know it's almost like a, the Midas touch right now. He touches it goes to gold. Yeah, he he it reminds me of Doug so much, you know, and he kind of has the same kind of background as Doug, uh, not really as a player, but you know he never got a shot. He never got a shot in, in New York. He never got he really never got a shot here. Thank God Girardi got fired or he wouldn't got it, but get it. But there, you know how many guys are probably in in all of sports? How many guys just haven't gotten a shot? and need that shot. Like Doug and, 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 and Rob have the same exact kind of arc. You know, uh, like I said, Rob's not a player, but he, he, he knows his players. He talks to his players. He probably knows about their families. He, you know, the, the, the players' wives were wearing I Ride with Rob shirts. I mean, I've never seen, like, I've never seen that in any other organization, in any other sports, do anything like that. It just, it's just so reminiscent of the 2017 Eagles. I'm telling you, we're going there. We're kicking butt. We're going to win in Houston, Joe. We're winning, baby. Evan, I love it. Let's do it. Let's go. You ready to play Explicit History? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. All right. We'll give you a highlight in the postseason. You tell us the name that's bleeped out. Let's let him hear one. And a ground ball right side. It's under the glove with eight minutes in the right. The game is tied. Here comes Castellanos. He'll score. And the Phillies lead it in the ninth. Has come through. And the Phillies have scored three times to take the lead on the Cardinals. Who was it, Revan? Who had that hit? So would that be uh, to tie it up? Would that be Reese Hoskins? Oh, Evan, appreciate it. Oh, you had the right side of the infield in terms of who hit it, but it was not Reese Hoskins. 215-592-9494. It's how you hop aboard here. Where are you right now? We are, I mean, 48 hours from now, game one will have started uh, with the World Series down in Houston. Hope or belief in that the Phillies could pull this off and actually beat the Astros to win the World Series? I'm in Camp Hope. I have real hope they could pull it off and do it. Tucker's in Camp Belief. A lot of you out there tonight are on the belief side. Where do you lie? We'll play some explicit history. And when we get back, we got to play this for you because um, Michael Bourne 
We know Michael, of course, did a lot of Phillies games this year. He was on the call for maybe the, the seminal moment of the season, which was Bryce Harper breaking his thumb and the Phillies rallying after that. He also called them clinching the postseason spot. He was very much a part of that call, clinching the postseason spot. And But we know, much like Jalen Hurts, Michael Bourne is a Houston kid and not just grew up there. I mean, he also played there. He also still lives there. So where's his heart in this World Series? You might be surprised by this. Michael Bourne, Phillies broadcaster, which side he's on and who he's rooting for in the World Series. Coming up next, right here on Sports Radio 94 WIP. Welcome back. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Joe Giglio with you. Tucker Bagley is behind the glass. You guys with us. 215-592-9494. That's how you get aboard. Hope or belief in this Phillies team actually winning the World Series and giving us a parade here in a couple weeks. I mean, it's have you have we thought about this yet? Like you know, every step of the way, it, this whole thing feels a little bit more real. You know what? I haven't wrapped my mind around a parade here. Like, you think Howard has his hot dog cart already? Well, out I mean, he's been talking about it since July. I mean, if he doesn't have one, he's a fraud. If he doesn't have a hot dog cart ready, but you know, like the idea of the Eagles parade in 2017, early 2018, it wasn't hard to imagine because we had been talking about that all year long. They again, I I always think it's funny. We we remember the Eagles as underdogs, right? The underdog mass. They were underdogs in all the playoff games. That team wasn't an underdog team. They were the best team in the NFL or NFC at least, basically the whole year. And then things changed. Wentz went down and they became an underdog. But, like, we had the Super Bowl conversation with the Eagles of 2017 was alive from, like, mid-October until December. And then it kind of changed a little bit. When, did we ever talk about the Phillies in the World Series until, I don't know, like last week? Until they got there? No. I mean, it, it never happened. Like, it was just about could they make the playoffs? Would they collapse? Like, so it really hasn't hit me that a parade could happen here in a few weeks. I think the first time I said it out loud when I was uh, in for the morning show, maybe last week after game one of the Padres series, and, I, and Seltzer hopped on the show, and I said it to him, like, have you thought about a parade here? Has the city started planning this? They should now at this point. I, we're, we're certainly close enough because yeah. if they were to win, it would happen in the next 10 days or so. It. It's just so weird because it it wasn't like in, and I hear people compare them out to, to ninety three because it was kind of a, a blip on the radar. That team was great too during the season, but that team won ninety seven games. They yeah. started out thirteen and one to start the year. You had a summer uh, of excellence. This team sucked until like <laughs> I don't know the ninth inning of the first wild card game. I know they played well in in you know June and July after they fired Joe Girardi, but I mean no one thought this was possible. No. And if you did, you're lying. You you absolutely are lying. I mean, I mean, think about all the different moments of the season. I mean, that month that month of May was excruciating. How many games they lost and how they lost those games, and then they they make the manager change and it, it got rolling a little bit. But then Bryce Harper gets hurt, and when Bryce Harper got hurt, it was like it. You know, at that point, you didn't know if he's going to be out for the entire season. I mean, it actually turned out to be a, kind of a best case scenario that he could come back as quickly as he did by the end of August. But I mean, none of this seemed possible. And here we are now with this team four wins away from a world championship. 215-592-9494. I want to play for you in a second here with Michael Bourne, what he had to say on a TV station down in uh, in Houston. But I, I want to check on the poll question at WIP Evenings tonight because 
you know, I, I'm we've got a lot of people so far tonight that have said they believe the Phillies are going to win the World Series. Not hope, but they believe it. Um, right now, 53% believe on the poll question at WIP Evenings that they're going to win the World Series. 47% hope that it is going to happen. I, I hope. Tucker believes. Where do you lie? All right, let's hear from Michael Bourne here. Michael Bourne, Fox 26, I believe it is, down in Houston. He did an interview earlier today. And, and look, he has ties to both organizations and, and pretty strong ties. We know he's a Phillies broadcaster to some of the games on the road, including the clincher down in Houston against the Astros. But he also played for the Astros. He's from there. He still lives there. I think this one's a tougher one than the Jalen Hurts one. Jalen Hurts, it's like, yeah, you're from there, but you're an Eagle. You're here now. You kind of have to pull for the team here in Philadelphia, even if you're not going to say it out loud. Michael Bourne, he doesn't have to. And I believe he also has some TV stuff for the Astros. So he's kind of he's, he's on both sides here. Here's what Michael Bourne had to say about where he lies on this World Series. Let's 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 start off by saying first, I always have I love the Phillies. Like they treat me like a uh, they have a first class organization. They treat me well. They welcome me in. Uh, they they've done done good by me. I cannot say anything bad about them. But this doesn't have anything to do with who did me bad or did anything like that. This, this is my home city. You know, I, I was traded here and I got to play for my hometown. I was raised here, uh, went to school here, middle school, high school, and college, and played baseball in college here, and played professional baseball as well as we know. But, yes, I have to say that I am going for the Houston Astros in the World Series. But I do have love for the Phillies. I got to know those players over there, and I got to talk to them throughout the year. And um, I wish them nothing but the best, but this time <laughs> it's tough to say it. But yes, I'm going. It's not tough to say, it, but it's tough because I know him. But yes, I would really like to see Dusty Baker get him his first championship. You could you could tell Michael didn't. That was a tough one for him to answer. I mean, you could obviously hear he, he's he's a Houston guy and he wants the Astros to win and and he feels the tie to that organization, that city. But then he kept throwing in there, yeah, but, and I, I like the Phillies, and I know those guys, and I broadcast those games. Uh, I'm going to give Michael Bourne a pass on this one. Though, I have to say, it's, I mean, I, I, I don't know the future and what the Phillies will do with their broadcast team. You think Michael Bourne gets a little, uh, you think Scott or whoever, you know, he's doing games with next year, obviously Scott, but like. He gets he gets that reminded to him if the Phillies do win the World Series. Like, hey, Michael Bourne, when you you wanted the Astros to win the World Series, that's a, that's a weird spot for Michael Bourne. It is. That's a tough one. I, I wonder if he has thought about his future employment as a Phillies broadcaster. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if that will this will hurt him in that sense. I hope it doesn't. I like Michael Bourne. I I grew to really like him on the broadcast. I mean, I I, I just the, thought he was fun. Yes, I thought he broadcast with an unbridled joy that. Gets lost sometimes in and, a professional setting. And his reaction to the Bryce Harper hit by pitch, Blake Snell in San Diego in late June was real. It was authentic. It was, it was all of I us. I said the same thing listening to it in my car. Every single person did. Every single one of us had the same reaction when Bryce Harper got hit. We just did it in our homes. He did it on, <laughs> on a live mic in the middle of a game. I mean, we all had the same reaction. Oh bleep. Bryce Harper just went down to get by a fastball in the, on the thumb. I mean, that, that's it. We all have the same reaction. So there's how Michael Bourne is going to, um, is going to handle this thing. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to bring this up because I, I saw this yesterday, and I thought it was really interesting. And I mean, it's one of those things where, like, it happens once. You're like, ah, oh, whatever. It happens twice. You're like, ah, you know, that, that's, that's 
kind of weird, kind of coincidence. But if it happens three times here, this thing might be something. So there is a Twitter account, and I don't know who this person is. It just seems like a regular person. It's not like a sports media person, not even like a guy that you know does a podcast or anything. His name on Twitter is Kalenic is here. I mean, there's no like he doesn't have a name. It's not like he has a name. He's a Seattle sports fan, according to his profile. Uh, he has hashtag see us rise, which is for the Mariners and fire Pete Carroll. I don't know why Pete Carroll's doing a good job, but he's I mean, he's really this or he it could be a she. I have no idea. Just seems like a regular person. So in 2019, November 2nd, 2019, right after the Nationals defeated the Astros in the World Series, this Twitter account tweeted out my predictions for the next 10 World Series champions. Again, this happened November 2nd, 2019. So before that offseason even manifested itself before 2020. So like no player movement, anything. No COVID. No, this is pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. So this account put out the, the predictions for the next 10 World Series champions. So far, they are two for two. They predicted the 2020 Dodgers would win the World Series. That happened. 2021 Braves hit it. Here are the next eight predictions of the 10, starting with the 2022 Phillies, the 2023 Mariners, 2024 Padres, 2025 Mariners, 2026 Giants, 2027 Angels, 2028 Marlins, 2029 Orioles. Here's what is the most amazing part about this. So the first two were hits, right? The Dodgers, that's actually kind of right. You'd guess that. They're, they're really good. They're on the verge. Okay. The Braves also a multi, multi-time division champion at that point who just hadn't gotten through the playoffs. All right, I kind of see that one too. The Phillies are the first one where this starts to get eerie. Who was thinking the Phillies were close to a World Series after 2019? Remember that press conference that Middleton had with McPhail and Klintak? I wouldn't have said they're two or three years away from a World Series. but I think the only people who would have thought that were the people sitting at that table. I, I think you're right. But here's what's really striking. And I'm not saying this guy's going to go 10 for 10. Would you be shocked in the next three years if the Mariners and Padres won World Series? I wouldn't. They're good. They have some really good young players, some stars in those teams. Julio Rodriguez, Soto, Machado. And then 2026, he has the Giants. Now, the Giants, this was before they hired Gabe Kapler. It was before they had that season last year where they won 107 games. They were bad. And, you know, I know they took a step back this year, but, like, they could be on the rise in the years coming. They have money coming off the books. The Orioles, who turned the corner this year, they won a World Series by the end of the decade. It wouldn't shock me. This might turn out to be one of the most amazing predictions I have ever seen in any sport. I'm not saying he's going to nail all 10, but if he hits five or six, I mean, I'm not going to be surprised now. If he hits three, I think I would still be impressed. Well, he, he might hit three in a week, which is unbelievable. Do you think you could guess the next three champions in any sport? No. Basketball may be the, the, the easiest one to try to do it. Maybe if you just say Warriors, Bucks, Celtics. Right. Three teams that are really great now and probably will stay great. You, that, you have a chance to do it. Football, I mean, if you just throw the, you could say the Bills, Chiefs. Can't really use Brady anymore, can you? No, that was easy for a while. That's out now. I mean, this is hard. And the fact that he's got some teams in here moving forward that ha- that look pretty realistic. Like, if the Phillies win it this year and the Mariners win it next year, this guy's going to go four for four. 
in guessing the next 10 World Series champions? It is remarkable. I have no idea who this person is. Again, there's no name on this account. This was put out there November 2nd, 2019. My predictions for the next 10 World Series champions. Boom. 2020 Dodgers hit. 2021 Braves hit. And the Phillies are his prediction for this year. So that should make you, that should make you feel good about the about the Phillies moving forward in 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 this World Series. That this, this person predicted that would happen. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. That's how you hop in. Also, if anyone uh, has ever been to, have you ever been to Texas or Houston? I've never been to Houston. I have been to Texas. What uh, what what is there to do in Texas? Not much. I mean, you've been, you, where have you been? I went to my grandma's house in South Texas. That's not the same as the city of Houston, is it? Yeah, it's a little different. So I, I have my uh, my shuffleboard. Tra- you mean she has, she has a shuffleboard? Yeah, that's what I did when I was in Texas. Okay, I, I mean I'll I'll keep that under consideration. I have my um I have my confirmation. So I'm I am going to game one and two. Um, WIP sending me to game one and two, and I believe the afternoon show will be there for game one. Uh, John and and Ike and Jack are going to be there for game one on, on Friday, and I'll be there for one and two. So I have my, my travel confirmation here in front of me. I'm going to be there. I'm, I'm flying out very early. Is, is that what you call a red eye? No, I think a red eye is like overnight. Oh. Like if you were flying like west coast to east coast and get on a plane at like 9 p.m. there and Got get it. off at like 6 a.m. Yeah, I'm, I'm departing 6.15 a.m. Friday from, from Philadelphia International Airport. But you like waking up early. I mean, like is a relative thing. I do it. I mean, like... I can handle it. I don't know. Will you have to drive yourself to the airport, or will you have your family do it? I, or I, I guess we'll see. It was easier on the weekend to have them drive me because it was the weekend. Uh, we'll see what happens Friday, but I'll, I'll figure it away. Uh, anyway, I'm leaving 6.15 a.m. I'll be there. I'll, I'll arrive in Houston at 8.48. Now, I have a hotel, obviously, but you know, hotel's not going to give me my room until sometime in the early afternoon, and then I'll be on the air before the game. We'll do leading off and get everyone ready for Game 1 of the World Series. I don't know what to do in in Houston, Texas at 9 a.m. until like 6 o'clock when we come on the air. I thought you have a show from 9 to noon every day. I can't. I mean, I mean, I do. The, the Beck QL show. I mean, actually, when I was about to go to San Diego, I, I was bringing the equipment to do the show. I was going to do the show from the hotel room. But I'm going to just be arriving at the time they get on the air. What am I going to do? I can't set up like at the airport. Yeah, just pull over in one of the internet cafes. I mean, it would kill three hours. It would. But yeah, I mean, I, all right. Besides that, I don't know if you've ever been to Houston. Give me some. Uh, give me some advice here. Is What's, that where the Alamo is? Where's the Alamo? No, that's San, San, San Antonio. It's a really big state. I can't just like trek over to San Antonio. I I don't even think those cities are close to each other. Probably not. They're probably hours away. Let's go to the phone lines here. Mike is in Exton. Hey, Mike. Oh, you're really going to Houston? I am. I'll be there for game one and two. Joe, you were going to do a, a show from your San Diego hotel room? I was. So I so uh, every morning, Mike, I do a, a show on the BeckQL network, which is part of our Odyssey oh. family. So I was going to oh. do um, I was going to do my BeckQL show from the hotel room at at uh, six a.m. West West Coast time. You are the greatest. But anyway, I have a story for you. Okay. I was listening to the Midday Show, and the producer, whose name escapes me, Mm. slandered your name about some gibberish about Juan Soto and you not being a fan. And and, and it reminded me at the time early in the season when I even had a talk with Mr. Dinger about this. He proclaimed this Midday producer that defense in baseball is for nerds. 
Well, I mean, that midday producer, which will remain nameless, he's wrong about defense. It's important in baseball. Oh, my Joe, come on. You know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. And it has has come very close to biting us in the big toe. Well, I mean, it it has bit them. They just have somehow avoided losing games because of it. It, It's amazing, Mike. I mean, they lost the game two down in uh, Atlanta, but – the, the series moving forward, I mean, the game three against the Braves when Hoskins dropped the ball, game three against the Padres where Segura had the mistake and Hoskins had the mistake, they, they somehow win, win these games despite defensive issues. Joey, I'm going to bore you with my baseball life. Okay. In, in 96, I went to the All-Star game at the Vet. I also went to Home Run Derby, and Home Run Derby was actually more fun. Barry Bonds, for a reason unknown to me, hit like 900 of them. But anyway, um, I seriously went to the All-Star game. It didn't happen to see Ken Griffey play center field. You, I loved Griffey, Mike. What, what a player. And what a what – a, um... Defensive player. What a defensive player. Yes, of course. I mean, and it's unfortunate all the injuries he had because he, he was uh, on track to be the all-time home run king. But just remember, Joe, defense is for nerds. Yeah, well, that's what that's what some would say right here. Mike, we appreciate the phone call. As far as uh, – I, I didn't hear. Did, did the Soto thing come up today? Listen, I, I, I think I've been sent that um, message a few times over the past couple days by people. I don't regret that that conversation. Juan Soto's an amazing player. Now, am I look at what I want to make the trade like today? Now, today's not a day to trade Bryce Harper. He just had one of the greatest postseasons of all time. But, like, I didn't think that was a diss to Bryce Harper. I thought it was a compliment to Juan Soto and how to get Juan Soto. Yeah, I mean, I disagreed with you at the time, but I, I didn't think it was necessarily a diss to Bryce Harper. Yeah, if was you can it... get younger and better in right field, why wouldn't you? Yeah, and it wasn't trading him away for a bag of balls. Like, someone sent me a message, you wanted to trade Harper away. No, I didn't. I wanted Juan Soto here. I mean, Bryce Harper, what he was just, what he just did in this postseason, I think changes his career. I mean, it changes the arc of his career. It changes how he's going to be remembered. Because until this year, he had never won a postseason series. No, I mean, and now just after three short weeks, he's viewed as one of the most clutch players in the history of this city and viewed as one of the most clutch players in the history of the sport. Yeah, it's almost like instantly – you know, we all come together in agreeing that he's worth the money. He's worth the contract. And I don't think most people before this postseason said he wasn't worth it. He's been – no, he's been really good, right? He's he's produced. He's been a really good performer for the Phillies. But I think the one thing was, was their real impact to, to his signing. They didn't win, right? They didn't make – until this year, they didn't make the playoffs. Had he really moved the needle on this franchise until the postseason this year – I think you could say he hadn't, even though he played at a, at a great level in 2021 and won an MVP. They were about a 500 team before he got here. And then he got here 2019, 2020, 2021. They were about a 500 team. This, this was the first time it felt like his presence moved the needle on, on what they are. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, he had a disappointing season. They finished 500. He won the MVP. They still finished 500. Yeah. I mean, the other guy I would look at is Reese Hoskins now a Philly? Next year? I mean, three weeks ago, everyone was in agreement that this guy had to be moved and they had to get a better first baseman, and maybe that's Derek Hall, maybe it's Kyle Schorber, maybe it's Alec Bohm. After the NLCS, I don't know how you can trade Reese Hoskins. Yeah, I, I think it, it changed. Is he a Philly long-term, though? Or do they just not trade him and they play out the last year of his contract? I don't know. But I just he went from a guy who was surefire, no chance he'd survive the offseason, to – 
hit four home runs in the NLCS yeah, and I know. one of the heroes of the, the series. One thing I think that actually probably lends to Reese Hoskins being here next year and the Phillies not doing anything drastic to change their defense or, or, or make up next season. And it is a, I mean, it, well, it's a trade-off all of us are going to take. We'll, we'll all take this trade-off. But you know what I thought about today? You know what this extra month of baseball does? It probably costs Bryce Harper time next season, right? If he needs elbow surgery, which I don't think there's any reason to believe he doesn't. He hasn't been able to. Does the World Baseball Classic uh, affect anything? Uh, uh, When is that? It's in March. Yeah, I think he won't be playing in that. But So, like, let's say Bryce Harper does need elbow surgery. He has it on November 15th. When can he play next season? Like, is he out until the middle of May? I would think so. Yeah, I, I would think six months feels like a very accelerated timeline. So th- doesn't that probably make it more likely that they don't change anything? They just kind of leave it the way it is because y- you can use the extra bats around here. You could you have the DH spot and right field. You kind of need to play Castellanos out there. I-, I think it probably lends itself towards Reese is here next year. I don't know if they're going to re-sign him after next year, though. They have so many guys in their 30s that are going to be first baseman or DHs. That's why I think it's funny. We look at this team, and you know, if you compare them to, to 07 or 08, all of the key contributors on this team are older than that team. Yeah. Like, like Reese is 30. Bryce just turned 30. Castellanos is 30. I think Schwarber just turned 30. Romito's 31. That team in 08, everyone was 27 or 28. I mean, this team, even though this is their first chance at, at you know, playing in October, and you can say they're on the upswing. Not so much in their career. I mean, in their career, they're probably on the back nine. Well, they are. Um, and that's why it, it kind of makes this feeling of it's kind of house money. They, they made this. They weren't supposed to. But then at the same time, this could be their best shot with this team. It probably is. Tucker mentioned that last night. And that's it kind of makes the nerves as we get closer to game one just just – Growing. I mean, they're just they're just growing there. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. That's how you hop aboard here. We're going to talk to Chris Gordy coming up. We'll get back to all your phone calls. Chris Gordy, seven ninety down in Houston. He does a pre and post game coverage with the Astros. I believe he, him and his partner were at Yankee Stadium for the end of the ALCS. So he's all over this team. Uh, he kind of does what their version. I think they call it the tenth inning, the final out. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. What if the game goes ten innings? That's well. I mean, couldn't you make the same case for our show? There's always a final out. Yeah, but it wouldn't change. The final out's the final out. Right, but we but like there's a final out in the game, and then we do a final out. They do the tenth inning, and then there's a tenth inning. That's true. Or if there's an eleventh inning, then we're going backwards. Yeah, that would. We can ask him. I mean, what I happen- think we should. Yeah, if there's a tenth inning in a World Series game, what's your show called, Chris? I mean, what are we doing here? We're just, like, this is ridiculous. Chris Gordy's going to join us from seven ninety down in in Houston, and then I want to get into the Nola Wheeler conversation. Game one, it's going to be Nola. Game two, Wheeler. Why I think it's the right decision, and and maybe a sneaky reason why Nola over Wheeler in game one could help the Phillies down the line in the World Series. We'll get to that. 215-592-9494. You want to hop in for explicit history? We'll give you a highlight here in the Phillies postseason run. You tell us the name that is bleeped out. Lots to talk about. Chris Gordy coming up next on Sports Radio 94 WIP.